Hello, everyone. My name is Kelsey, and I am the host of the Curious Clit Podcast. This is a podcast that seeks to spark compassionate conversations around sex and our bodies so that we can all feel a little less alone in the world, feel safer in our bodies, and ultimately have better sex. If you'd like to support this podcast, please consider being a paid subscriber to my Substack, where this podcast is hosted, or you're welcome to like, comment, or share my posts, follow my Instagram, or check out the trauma-informed embodiment classes I offer for people who identify as women, trans, and non-binary. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast, and I'm excited to share this next episode with you. Hi, everyone. So today on the podcast, my guest is Rosie Boa. Rosie Boa has been pole dancing and teaching for over a decade. You can find her at her online pole studio, Sling Through Strength, where she teaches freestyle dance, pole, and conditioning classes. I'm really excited to have Rosie on this episode today, um, talking to us and giving us a little bit about her story. I met Rosie at an online movement membership earlier this year. And since meeting her, I've been really struck by her pole studio and just how pro-sex work it is, how body positive it is, and just how inclusive in general it is. Um, It's something that in my time taking pole dancing classes over this past decade, um, I haven't really seen a whole lot of studios who have the values that hers does. And so... I'm really excited to have her on the podcast today and for her to share a little bit more about her story and her work. So welcome, Rosie. Thank you. Uh, Happy to be here. (laughs) And um, I would like to, I guess, begin the podcast just by asking you, like, what messages that you received around sex from teachers, parents, um, your community, anything in the world around you as you were growing up? Yeah, uh, I've actually, you know, you sent out the questions before the podcast recording, and I've been, you know, ruminating on it. And I think probably my earliest um, thing that I remember about learning about sex is well first of all I knew about reproduction right because I was one of the I don't know if any of y'all know little nerd kids who are like I'm gonna learn about everything and are very curious and you know little scientists and that was very much me right I was always in the library (laughs) this was um, uh, well before (laughs) uh, you know it was normal to have access to the internet so uh Yeah. So I knew like about mushroom spores and I knew about like, I I think I might've known about like gametes and zygotes. Um, (laughs) And I was like, okay, but how does it happen in humans? And I remember asking my mom, she's like, well, uh, if people kind of fit together. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And I was like, and at that point I knew that sexual reproduction usually, you know, 
I don't know usually if we think about sort of the great pageant of existence, but often is, you know, one one male, one female. Um, I was like, okay, so what must happen is you hug. <laughs> I think I'd read about ovipositors. So I was like, okay, this is how it's going to happen. <laughs> the idea was that when they hug, the woman's boobs would go up and over the man's shoulders. <laughs> and that's how uh, fertilization would occur. And I was like, okay, I guess that makes sense. Like, I, I better be careful about hugging people. And like, <laughs> clearly, I don't have boobs yet as like a little six-year-old. So like, when I get boobs, that's when I'm going to get my OB positive. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was very vague. I was not, not further in line. But like, I knew that like, there was an egg and it needed to be fertilized. And it would be like, I think I even knew that it would, like, it would be implanted in the uterine wall. So um, yeah, I, I have a lot of sort of very specific facts about parts of the process and no facts at all about the other parts of the process. Um, so that was, I was pretty young then. And I don't think I ever got like explicit, you know, sexual education until I was in maybe third grade, so probably around 10 or 11. Um, and there was a, um, I mean, nine, I don't know. I, I wasn't that old, uh, but there was a thing at my school where there was like an after school program where it was like, it's going to be a mommy-daughter tea. Um, so again, very, very cis-normative, um, right? This mm -hmm. was this was at the time, I think it was actually a Christian school. So that also makes sense. Um, and I was so excited. I was like, oh, we're going to have tea. <laughs> I'm excited for these snacks. <laughs> there were no snacks. Uh, that's my dog. Uh, apologies in the background. Um, and uh, it, very dry, very like you are going to menstruate here is a diagram of the you know male and female reproductive organs and here's how they fit together and i was like oh hmm, I, I wanted ovipositors um <laughs> and i think that that was like pretty much it from like what my parents gave me um my grandmother gave me a book on like the horrors of STIs and how people with STIs were horrible. That was very much abstinence only. Um, and there were like little role-playing scenarios in it where you're like, here's how you're going to say no to sex so that you can be pure. Um, and I've got lots of thoughts on purity culture and uh, how it, you know, harms people deeply. <laughs> and, uh, oh, um, Yep. So that was, that was sort of like another uh, sort of vein of information, I guess. And again, it, uh, this was another one of these like very Christian, very like, um, you know, I don't think it, in I don't think it explicitly said that like, you know, you're going to go to hell if you have sex, but that was definitely the undercurrent, right? And that STIs were your punishment for being promiscuous if you were a woman. Um and, and I don't know, it was very much like sort of a, a thread in my upbringing. Like I wasn't allowed to get the HPV vaccine, which um, side note, you can get the HPV vaccine uh, as an adult and you very much should. It prevents a lot of cancers and uh, there's no reason not to get it uh, as long as your medical provider uh, okays it. Back for the side note. Um, <laughs> but the reason that I'm not like... Uh, I don't want to say completely fucked up, but like th that's not good messaging. And that's not a great yeah. way to build a healthy relationship with your sexuality is that I also read other books. Um, and some of them I think <laughs> were very helpful and, uh, you know, 
nourishing and others were honestly just as bad. So uh, I don't know if you know Tamora Pierce. I she, do actually, yeah. Yeah, Tamora <laughs> Pierce girlies. Uh, um, uh, I'm saying Tamora Pierce girlies like like horse girls, right? It, it was a genre yeah. of child uh, and not necessarily of gender. Um, but in her YA books, um, right, she talks about... I mean, in a, in, she's a fantasy author, if you're not familiar with her. Yeah. Um, she talks about, like, contraception. Uh, and she talks about, like, menstruation in a very, like, you know, I know menstruation isn't really part of sex necessarily, but I think they're related, right? Uh, in a very mm-hmm. sort of, like, matter-of-fact way. And, like, all these cool, heroic people, like, I think also has, you know, good depictions of, like, this is what a healthy relationship looks like with good communication. And look, when these people don't communicate, they have a hard time, you know, getting their needs met. Um, So I think that was a source of a lot of sort of positive role modeling and interaction. And then a source of, like, uh, another author, I don't know if you're familiar with Robert Heinlein. He's a science fiction author. Um, who I cannot yeah. recommend. <laughs> I'm just gonna say, <laughs> uh, particularly, uh, particularly in terms of like, I don't know, sexual content. I don't think I got good messages. I don't think I got <laughs> a lot of things that I want to continue carrying with me, you know, forward through life. But definitely, you know, a source of information um, and a great example of what we talk about when we say male gaze uh, and sort of reducing uh, women to pleasure objects non-consensually, which I think, you know, that's what you're into. That's what you're into. I don't want to, don't want to yuck anybody's yum, but I think it's like the entire basis of your sexual philosophy and practice deserves some re-examining. So yeah. And then of course, you know, television, billboards, et cetera. Um, just sort of like the the latent uh you know background radiation of this is what's attractive uh and you know again just also all of this extremely heteronormative and i should say um that when i was at the age when i was reading tomorrow pierce she didn't have a whole lot of queer characters um since she has published a lot of books with a lot of queer characters uh and uh yeah yeah uh if you are looking for a children's fantasy author to be invested in per work long time, may I recommend Tamora Pierce, a, uh, from all accounts, okay person, as opposed to other people who aren't. Yes, that's one of the other fantasy authors that have uh, not yeah. turned out to be so good across the years. No. Yeah, so that was the the sort of melange I grew up in was, you know, not a lot from the people around me. Oh, and I I do distinctly remember the first time I learned that you should pee after sex, uh, particularly <laughs> if you have a very short urethra. Uh, it is from Tumblr. So thank you, Tumblr, oh for telling me that. Uh, I was in my 20s. I should have known this previously. Yeah, but it's definitely not something that they, you know, talk about in the abstinence-only sex ed no. world. No, no. <laughs> so... You kind of, on your own, got a lot of messages about, like, reproduction, but they were kind of confusing because no one actually, like, showed you what sex was or really talked about what it was. They just kind of gave you these, like, very vague statements and then, you know, learning about zygotes and all those things doesn't really actually teach you, you know, 
the realities of sex. <laughs> and then you kind of picked up some, perhaps some good things from Tamora Pierce, maybe some like less so good, less good things from the other author. Um, yeah, Highland cannot, cannot recommend. <laughs> <laughs> and then it sounds like Tumblr also in your 20s maybe became like a source of information for you. Yeah. Um, I didn't have. Oh, go ahead. oh, I was just going to say, I didn't have access to the internet until I was in college. Yeah. So that really kind of like limited how easy it would have been to get information. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah very much so. Yeah. yeah sorry. So, you gonna say? Um, well, I was going to ask you you mentioned purity culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there are different like ranges of purity culture as in like purity culture that we all sort of live in, but also like the very specific purity culture in certain um, groups of Christianity. So I'm wondering mm-hmm. if you could explain or just talk about like your relationship with purity culture. Yeah, that is uh, a big bucket. Um, so I will say, uh, you know, my family's fairly conservative. I think they probably would call themselves Christian. I, I am not, um, uh, very purposefully. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and we didn't really have like a strong relationship with any specific church, uh, and we moved a lot. So we didn't have like a long running community kind of period at all, um, So I didn't get, like, consistent pressure from a social group uh, around that, right? It's just sort of, like, the messaging that I was receiving. Um, And also, you know, the fact that sex was, like, a taboo topic, right? Like, it just wasn't talked about. Um, So, like, and I think you get the implicit messaging that, like, it's bad, right? if if nobody talks about it uh but i didn't get i think the degree of like religious trauma that a lot of folks get around it where like i was explicitly told that you know i would be punished in damn fraternity for having sex um which you know is good it could have been worse um (laughs) but I think that the sort of more insidious form of it is not sexual, actually, because I think it's really, I mean, if you're interested in receiving a sexual education and learning and, you know, moving away from that, I think there is lots of materials and support. And it's also really easy to recognize in a sexual context, right? Like, if the only message you're getting is sex is bad, that's purity culture. Um or like it's only bad if it's not purely for the purposes of reproduction, right? Um, but I think that there's also, I don't know, I think a lot about, um, so uh, Kelsey and I are both from the US. Um, I think a lot about the fact that uh, the the pilgrims, right, were were the, you know, the roundheads <laughs> from, from England, right? Like Oliver Cromwell, the guy who canceled Christmas, uh, because it was too lascivious and fun. Like those same people <laughs> were the pilgrims, right? And that is the undercurrent of American culture um, in a way that I think a lot of Americans aren't like taught explicitly. Um, and this idea that like anything that is not purely good is bad, right? Um, and 
I hesitate a little bit to talk about cancel culture because on the one hand, I think that it's uh, decrying it as a great way for people to just like avoid social consequences for their actions. Uh, but on the other hand, um, I think the idea that like if somebody does one thing wrong, then they are a bad person, right? And you are not a good person unless you do everything wrong, everything right rather, um, is really harmful, right? If, even if we think about it, um, I'm going to talk about substance abuse here really quickly. So uh, I don't know, apologies, feel free to skip forward a little bit if you don't want to hear about it. But even in the, you know, even in someone recovering from substance abuse, right? If it's, you have to go cold turkey and if you ever relapse ever, that's it, too late, right? Like you've immediately thrown away that chance and you have to go back to, you know, having the worst type of substance abuse instead of being like, okay, people can make mistakes, you can recover from it, having that space in society and like a narrative for everyone that is like you are not perfect no one is perfect you can make mistakes and you can come back from them and you can repair and then you can do better um and i think that it is so deeply ingrained in people's consciousness especially here in the u.s i think it is so harmful i think it is so um hard to notice right and it's even something that i'll do uh so you know, I'll, I'll set a goal for myself that like, oh, I want to journal every day this week and I miss week, day one. Well, now I haven't journaled every day this week. I fucked it up. I can't do it. I'm a failure. No, you go back and you do it on day two, right? Um, so I think the, the struggle there is very real. And I think it's much broader than just uh, around sex. And in some ways, I think it's easier to recognize with sex. Um I, don't, I got lots of thoughts about that. I don't want to. I don't want to get too too far derailed. But I think it is such a deep part of American culture, and I think that folks, it's like fish don't see water, right? Like I think that it's really easy to be blinded to it, uh, and like even me, someone who thinks about it, I fall into that trap, right? Um, so yeah, yeah. So kind of. Um with like that foundation in our culture of like that I don't know like having fun is bad mm-hmm. and also like the you have to be good and I think like good often you know is kind of tied to like being for women or people who have been socialized as women as being pure in some way um and if you've done anything that doesn't fall within what is pure then you are not a good human and not worthy yeah, the the gum chewing metaphor, right? Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> for those of you who are not familiar, uh, and I'm just gonna say this is not the case, but the the metaphor that sometimes people get in absence only education is, um, if you are a woman and a man has sex with you, it's like you're a piece of gum and he chews you, and then he spits you out, and nobody wants to chew a piece of gum a second time, and that's the metaphor. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy because I think that like even though we all, not all of us, but so many of us got some form of abstinence-only sex ed, that metaphor was something that we all heard in some way, which is really quite devastating, I think. Yeah, and very much about specifically controlling women's sexual availability, period. Yeah. Like that is the point of that metaphor. Um yeah, it's not men. It's they're never the gum. It's always women. No. Yes, yes, and and again, I mean, I think that people who subscribe to that belief do have a very cis normative worldview. Um, yeah, 
and maybe do a lot of intentional or unintentional violence towards people with it. Yes. And I think, you know, whether they identify as a man or a woman, I think that violence really gets passed along in our culture. Yeah. I'm curious, um, you know, it seems like you had a lot of like negative messaging around sex from, you know, the people in your life when they did talk about it and Mm -hmm. some of the stuff around you and then the things that you read. But then, you know, with Tamara Pierce and Tumblr, um, there were kind of like these little glimmers that maybe changed the way you thought about sex or offered you a better view. Um, So I'm curious about how those and um, have affected your life and work and how you've had to, I guess, work to overcome some of the negative messaging that you received as well. Yeah, a great question. I mean, I think... I think part of what's been really helpful for me um, is also having, you know, social relationships, like being friends with older adults who have healthy sex lives that are part of their life in a way that it enriches them um, and that they are not, I don't know, fucked up about, <laughs> right? Like uh, if you've never had, you know, a frank sexual conversation with, um, you know, I'm going to say an older woman because that's what I've had. Uh, it's really, I don't know. It's really supportive and nurturing in a way that I hope everyone gets a chance to experience. Um, and I mean, I guess ideally with, with a guardian figure who can, you know, support you in your growth, but, um, if not, then hopefully with somebody in your, in your social network who, uh, can support you, right? And you can see like, oh, <laughs> it's okay to say, have multiple sexual partners. This person who I like and respect and admire did that and they enjoyed it and had a good time. And here they are doing well, right? Um, and I think it's, especially for folks my age, it's um, harder in the queer community. Uh, and I think particularly for folks who uh are are looking for for sort of gay men as mentor figures because of AIDS, obviously. Maybe that's not obvious to folks. Um, because of AIDS. And there certainly are, you know, older folks, um, uh, even, you know, men who have sex with men in the in the queer community who are around, right? We didn't lose everybody, but we did lose a lot of folks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for for folks who are more, you know, looking for people who aren't men who have sex with men, uh, there are more people because that those parts of the community was was less ravished. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think that's a that's a big part of it, right? Is talking to older people who have had good experiences and can, you know, provide uh, role models for you, which I don't know, just good in general. Um, and then for my work, uh, yeah, this is interesting. So I'm, I'm a pole dance teacher, Obviously, I know we talked about that. Um, And I don't know if you knew this, but pole can be sexy. It doesn't have to be, but certainly (laughs) in America, it is very tied with sex work. It comes from sex work. Um, It's an art form that was developed by strippers. Um, And uh, I think the part of the reason why people are drawn to pole is the ability to um, express their sexuality in particularly for folks who are doing recreational poll, like for fun, um, a way to express your sexuality and play with it 
um, in a, a safer space, right? Um, I'm not going to say that every pole studio is a safe space because A, that's not true. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's important that we we acknowledge that. Uh, but as opposed to, right, like I've had, I've had other careers uh, and I will say that um, the amount of sexual harassment that I have received as a pole teacher has been orders of magnitude less from the amount of sexual harassment I have experienced in other careers. Um, all of them, right? Um, so I've worked in the service industry, I've worked in corporate. Uh, so safer, right? Yeah. Relative. Uh, and, uh, and that is with the fact that in a pulse space, I... I enjoy being sexy, right? I enjoy having, uh, particularly dancing for people live. I enjoy having that connection that, um, you know, uh, when I, when I do perform live, I like to like go out in the audience and like interact with people, right? Like I like having that, uh, sexual experience. Um, even if it's like not necessarily anything that, uh, you know, sexual not actual sex let me put it that way (laughs) (laughs) sensual maybe would be a a clearer uh way to talk about it but like i really enjoy having that experience with people um if (laughs) right i know that they are going to respect my boundaries um and i know that you know particularly for folks who who have stripped that's not necessarily always the case um unfortunately and i you know if I had a magic wand that I could just wave and and fix the world, one of the many things that I would fix is uh, <laughs> sex workers uh, being harassed. Um, but yeah. you know, it is what it is, and I'm not. I don't want to say that everyone who has ever pulled it danced in every capacity has had like a wonderful, sexually liberating, empowering experience. Um, and I think that that is also like a weird expectation, especially for folks who are stripping, right? Like I, it is not empowering to wait tables, right? It pays the power bill. That's an important yeah. distinction. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. I got lots of, lots of thoughts of, of sort of how, how sex work is glamorized in a way that I think is not entirely helpful to sex workers, but um, yeah. Yeah. They kind so, of feel like sex workers should be enjoying what they're doing and it should be a sexual experience for them and I think maybe for some it could be in certain moments with certain clients but for a lot of them it's just like they're acting they're putting on a show for people and um yeah and I'm but it's interesting so I think that your experience as it's something that is I mean you're teaching it so it is also paying your power bills but (laughs) um it's also something I think it sounds like you really enjoy and love and it helps you with your sexuality in some way perhaps yeah absolutely because you know I've had so many negative experiences in other spaces especially professional spaces I intentionally right did not express the sensual part of myself at all right like it was basically like I was going into the office and like I'd disconnect you know my uh, to use the, you know, detachable limb, uh, (laughs) metaphor, I would disconnect the sexual limb and set it aside and be like, I'll see you later, even though you're an important part of me and like something that I very much value. And like, I go and I do work and I just like head down and deal with it. And I come home and I can be like, ah, finally, (laughs) I can be a whole person (laughs) again. Right. Like the thing 
and for folks who worked in corporate, you may have heard the the phrase, bring your whole self to work. And I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> no, it is not safe. Um, <laughs> and maybe the person who is saying that phrase thinks that it's safe, but it sure ain't. Um, no. And like, it's really nice to be in a space where I don't have to like disavow an entire part of myself and that it is safe not to. Um, and I hope that I provide a space for my students where they can also explore that to the extent that they're comfortable with, right? Like not everything in pole has to be like super, super sexy, but um, so my my community has a, uh, uh, a private group. Uh, and one of the things I do in there is I have a, uh, a day when people can post just like images that would get them shadow banned on other platforms, right? Um, because I think that, you know, being able to share our sexual expression with each other in a way that is safe and accepted by community norms and is celebrated is a really important part of the human experience. And I don't know, I think a lot of folks go through life very impoverished in that facet. And it's, let me clarify, I am not talking here about people who are not interested in it, right? If you're romantic, if you're asexual, and you're like, ah, I'm just not into it, that's perfectly fine. I'm talking here specifically about people who do want to do it, but feel like they can't for various reasons. Um, and I think that that is as, you know, harmful to your experience as being a whole human being as never expressing your emotions, right? Like never asking for help when you need it. Um, or, you know, on the physical side, just like never moving if you are someone who is is capable of movement and that's something that, you know, would, you know, help you live your life in a more pleasant, <laughs> capable way. Um, yeah. So it's been really lovely to have uh, a job where I can, I don't have to hide that part of myself. Um, and also I can express it and it's safe for other people to express it. And uh, we we have a community where that's the norm and that's really lovely. And I, I hope everyone has a space like that. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, to have a space where people can show up with their whole selves but in a safer way where they feel like their boundaries are going to respect be respected and if there was a moment where you know they weren't then there would be some guidelines in place to help them um be respected because i think this is a side of us that you know many of us have and many of us do want to express but don't often have those safe places um I want to ask you in a little bit about more about your pole studio and talk more about mm -hmm. that, but I suppose I have one um, last question before we transition to that. And, you know, I hear, I think a lot of people sometimes think about like the relationship between pole and having better sex as something that is like performing a version of being sexy, sexy or, um, you know, performing this idea of being like this confident sex goddess. And I'm curious about um, whether, sorry, I'm thinking about how to frame this, <laughs> um, in your own personal life or in, you know, your experience as a pole teacher, what else can pole bring to people in terms of improving their sex life and helping them get in better touch with their sensuality and their sexuality? Yeah, great question. Um, so much I will say, for some people, like, 
the performative and being seen aspects of pole are genuinely sexy to them and that is what draws them into them that said not everyone's an exhibitionist not everyone likes that uh, and you don't have to like that right if you try it and you're like oh no you're not good um also uh so my partner has seen a lot of pole dance <laughs> at this point <laughs> um just like glazes over when I, you know, when I show him, look at this, you know, extremely beautiful half naked woman doing flips. And he's like, okay, fine, again, <laughs> sure. Um, I'm watching because I love you, honey. Um, so I, I would say that like, there's definitely a myth that like all pole is very sexual and arousing and will continue to be so forever. Um, even if you are someone who very much enjoys pole dancing, um, either eventually you sort of become numb to it or you become so you know like focused on the the thing itself that you are watching someone and you're like oh yeah I see oh the grip switch okay yeah oh, and that piece of work and oh okay yeah so you have that so sort of like technical <laughs> running commentary um so even though I think there's a very close tie between you know pole and being sexy culturally uh I don't think it's necessarily intrinsic <laughs> um <laughs> But that said, uh, yeah, for some people, it's definitely like the exhibitionism, um, which yeah. is perfectly fine if that's what you like. Um, but uh, I think for a lot of people, the what I would like to see, the benefit that I would like my students to have is A, being able to pay really close attention to your body, right? To be embodied, right? In the, in the technical <laughs> sense. Um and I don't think everyone gets that from pole. And I don't think, again, I don't think it's inherent in pole, but I think the pole can be a tool to help you build this skill. Um, and if you're like, I don't know what that is, uh, I think a really good exercise to start with, and this is something that I do in my classes, is, you know, sit for a minute and pay attention to what sensations you get from your body. And you can even just like sit there and be like, I notice I'm sitting on a chair. I feel the cushiness of the foam under my butt. I notice I'm wearing uh, a shirt. I can feel the fabric of my shirt on my arms, but not on the front of my neck, right? Or whatever it is, just sitting there and listing out what you feel in your body. Um, and you may be like, okay, how does that make you a better pole dancer? Well, <laughs> A couple ways. So first of all, you're helping to build, um, you're doing sensual, sensual, sensory, perceptual learning. So you are, it's helping your brain. And it's also helping you develop that skill of paying attention, which you can then take with you onto the pole. Um, so for those of you who are not familiar, pole can be pretty uncomfortable. Um, so there are some sensations that may verge into pain for some people, and some of those are safe and some of those are not. So being able to very carefully discern Am I safe right now? Is this uh, something that I need to come out of? Is it something that I can keep pushing through? Am I done with this for today? Um, and, you know, uh, I think those are all very helpful questions to ask yourself during sex, <laughs> right? Uh, particularly if perhaps you're you're more into like the kink side of things, uh, BDSM, anything like that, being able to be like, okay, this is good pain. This is bad pain. I'm done with this. Uh, and have that like constant, uh, you know, internal interrogation um, is really, really helpful in, in poll. Um, and also being able to so my my studio is very I shouldn't say very but it is the point of the studio is to help you freestyle um and freestyle is where you don't want a choreography you are moving intuitively right you just continuously move um if you're familiar with freestyling from jazz 
same thing, but with dance. Um, (laughs) And having that level of connection to your body and being able to continuously practice it. uh, If you are self-observing while you do that, if you are really thinking about how you look, you will drop out of it uh, and you'll get stuck. So if you can continuously freestyle, it is I wouldn't say necessarily a guarantee, but based on the research on flow state, um, it is very likely that you are also able to turn off that self-observation, um, which if you if you just want to have a nice time having sex, very important to do, to be like, okay, I'm paying attention to my body. I'm not thinking about how I look. I have turned mm-hmm. off that part of my brain and I am instead really focusing on what I feel um, and I'm enjoying myself right now. So uh and, you know, if you are not into sex, then it is still a very helpful skill to have. Uh, it still mm-hmm. will make you move better. Uh, but if you are into sex, then again, it is a helpful thing to work on that you will also be able to use in sex. Plus, of course, the general like physical, you know, you improve your cardio, you can do stuff for longer, um, you work on, you know, core activation, right? Which uh, particularly if you, uh, you know, have a vulva can help you find orgasm. So, I mean, there's obviously physical benefits as well, but like you can get that from going to the gym. That's not necessarily something that you are getting more from pole than you would from other things. Yeah. So it might be a more fun way to work out than going to the gym for some people. <laughs> I think so. But, you know, uh, some folks don't like booty shorts. What can I say? <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, it seems like, I mean, there's so many ways that Cool, because it is something that can help you like really be in your body and especially if it's taught that way can help people then be in their bodies during sex too and I really like what you said about you know like the the pain part too because I think that's what I think some people often struggle with in our culture because our culture often tells people to just push through pain probably goes back to that really cool Puritan thing um but pushing through pain is never like a very healthy thing and I think it's something to know like is this something that is you know uh pain that is maybe normal like from stretching just a like slight tension or if it's something that is your body saying like this is not okay please stop (laughs) yeah absolutely and I mean even just noticing where in your body you are feeling things um which I know yeah. that that sounds like, that sounds like it should be trivial, but this is another thing that you learn to perceive. So um, if it was something you wanted to test for yourself, sort of like the classical test for how acute you are here is to have somebody um, take like two pencils and um, stand behind you. And then they slowly uh, move the pencils together until you no longer feel two points. Uh, you just feel one point. Um, and it'll be different for different places on your body, but you know, For some folks, it can be, you know, they can be like within half an inch of each other and you can still feel two points. For some folks, it'll be like maybe an inch, maybe maybe inch and a half, maybe bigger, right? Because you don't have that ability to like distinguish these fine sensations. Um, And I mean, if you think about, you know, if you think about sex as wine, right? If you haven't developed a palate, (laughs) if you haven't been like, I am really paying attention to the sensations of my body and this is one I like and this is one that I don't like. Um, You're not going to be able to communicate that information and also you're just not going to notice it, right? So wouldn't, if you are investing in, you know, this very expensive bottle of wine slash, uh, you know, wonderful experience with your partner or partners or self, um, wouldn't you want to be able to experience it more fully? If so, you got to 
you have to a admit that you have a body in the first place and b spend time noticing it um and c practice that skill and carry it with you i love all those and completely agree with them <laughs> um and kind of going off of that idea of practicing and this is something that we can cultivate and um, we can build our capacity on I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your pool studio and like all the different classes that you offer and your memberships and things like that. Uh, absolutely. Uh, so my studio is 100% online. Um, I have a, a family member who's immunosuppressed and I really can't, um, with the current level of community protections, I really can't be um, doing stuff in person, unfortunately. Uh, which is why I founded the studio in the first place, because I wanted uh, a place that was evidence-based, right? So um, really draws on, you know, all the findings, understanding we have from, you know, motor learning and exercise science and just like basics of biomechanics and stuff like that, but also really focused on freestyle dance. Because again, I'm not a choreography person. I'm really there for that fully embodied sensual experience of freestyling. Um, I couldn't find a place that did both. So I made it. Um, and I'd also been teaching for a long time at that point. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll make a job for myself, literally. Um, so that's the sort of synthesis, right? As the art and the science, because I am a big nerd, you may have noticed. Um, and also that was really inclusive. So we mentioned sort of how I all genders are welcome. I work very hard to make sure that, you know, folks of different abilities, folks with different movement backgrounds have something uh, that they can really explore in all of my classes. Um, any of my current students will know that I always give like a thousand variation for things uh, based on what I know of the people who are in the class. So um, I do really work very, very hard to make sure that there is a way for you to be successful. Um, I think most people uh, will be like, what's your poll class? I have a poll class. Uh, you do need your own poll. Um, and in those classes, we do something called poll pathways, which is a progressive curriculum based on biomechanics. So each class will focus on a specific move and we will start with something that pretty much most people in the world will be able to do going on to, you know, something that's going to be challenging for the most advanced student in class. But beginners very much welcome you will have something you can work on that is not going to feel impossible because i have been in poll classes where i have just been giving things that feel impossible and uh it's not a good feeling and i want to avoid it in my students uh and then i also have uh conditioning classes so i'm certified as a personal trainer uh i do uh, strength and conditioning uh and then i also do a flexibility training class and those are both half an hour uh and then i also do a freestyle flow class so you do not need a poll for this um and it is an hour and we freestyle. And so you have a guided warm up. So I give you structure, right? I'm not just like dance, here's the music. Um, <laughs> that would be something I might do with some of my very advanced students. But I think for most folks, that's not uh, not very approachable. Yeah. Um, so we start with a lot of structure. We have a long warm up where we sort of move through the body. Uh, and then we have various exercises. And at the end of class, there's time for folks to pick music that they want to dance to and, and explore a little bit. Um, all classes are online and all classes also include a recording. So I know not everyone can make it live and even folks who can make it live, um, you know, sometimes folks don't want to uh, be observed and that is perfectly okay. So you are welcome to that. You can also come to class and keep your camera off. That's also allowed. Uh, perfectly, perfectly happy to do that. I've had a couple students actually who uh, who have done that for you know, most of their classes, which again, perfectly fine. Especially if you don't want that, that live feedback. 
Uh, and then every so often I'll have, have other programs. Um, oh, I should say, if you are, are interested in the drop-in classes, uh, feel free to come take a couple. Uh, but if you want to do a lot of them, I definitely recommend a membership. It's way cheaper. <laughs> uh, and also, once you sign up, I send you the links and I send you to the recording without you having to remember to sign up. Because I have done, uh, I, Kelsey mentioned that we were part of a, uh, both part of an online movement membership. I forget to sign up for classes. Uh, and that's a, that's a me problem. And I'm sure I'm not the only person. So uh, once you sign up for the membership, I just, I do it for you. <laughs> and you don't have to do everything, but you have everything if you want it. Um, yeah, so there's one that's just for the conditioning if you just want to, you know, get your work on out on. And then there's one that's all the classes. Uh, and then every so often I'll have other things, right? So I'll have community classes that are sort of a drop-in experience with a little bit of freestyle, see what that's like, see if it if it's for you. Um, I think it'll probably be full by the time this comes out, but I do have a program coming up in October for people who are coming back to poll, which I'm very excited about because that's, I mean, that's something that I've done over the years. And it's... Um, it's very disheartening to go to a beginner class and be like, I am not strong enough to do this anymore. And then the teacher's like, a bunch of tips for the thing you're trying to do. And you're like, no, I know how to do it. I just can't. <laughs> I appreciate the tips. They're not helping. Um, yeah. So I've got, I've got a program specifically for folks who are coming back to poll that also deals a little bit with the emotional aspect because it's frustrating. It's frustrating to reduce it. Um, yeah. And then other stuff. And if you're interested in keeping up with me, probably the best place is either Instagram or I have a newsletter. And that goes out once a week. And I talk about like, uh, I think this week I talked about like some tips for like, if you're doing a practice session and you're like, this feels bad, what can I do? Some tips to like make it feel a little bit better, uh, different things you can do, how to know when to call it quits. So just sort of like musings on poll and that goes out about once a week. Uh, and also I have a podcast, uh, which I'm going to say right now, if you are not a nerd who pole dances, you probably won't love, but it is about uh, evidence-based uh, methods, research. I talk with researchers. Um, I talk with, you know, other practitioners in the field um, about, you know, things around pole dance and, you know, research and uh, et cetera. And uh, Kelsey has a, has an episode, which you can, you may be more interested in. Uh, I can definitely check out. So yeah, that's the, that's the online studio. And I would love to have you all genders welcome. Uh, there is a code of conduct. Um, so you won't be able to register for classes until you read and agree. Uh, and when I mentioned that, you know, I'm trying to keep this as a, a place where people are safe, that's a big part of it. So um, for example, uh, if if you sexually harass somebody at, at the studio, you're gone, period. Sorry. I'm not sorry. No, that is a reasonable consequence <laughs> for that action in this space yeah. where people are intentionally sexy and I want them to feel free and, uh, you know, safe in doing that. So. That's amazing that that's there so people, you know, have that safe, safer container to express themselves fully. And um, I'll link all your Instagram and um, your website and your podcast in the show notes so people have access to that. Um, the name of the again, studio. It's... The name of the studio is Slink Through Strength. I think that's what you were about to say. <laughs> yes, I was just about to say that. <laughs> Um, Slinky Slink is the name, and yes, you should definitely check Rosie's website out. And um, I also recommend the podcast. I don't really do pole dancing too much anymore, but I have enjoyed listening to it because I think that a lot of the things you talk about apply to um, some other movement stuff too. So definitely check that out. Um, that is true. That's true. I do try to bring it all back to Paul, but yes, there is you know, generally 
generally applicable to movement. So I don't like <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining me today for this conversation, Rosie. It was really amazing to have you on. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, this has been a delight. And my, I guess my two takeaways from people are A, if you like YA fantasy, read to Morpheus, uh, and B, P after sex. Uh, and I guess C, if you're interested in pole classes, come find me. <laughs> I second both of those. <laughs> Thanks again, Rosie. Oh,